Good morning, all. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, we will be studying from there and continuing our study from there as we have uh, been there previously. As we're looking in 1 Corinthians 11, we need to remember um, Paul is addressing the identity of Christians, really who Christians are, male or female. And this is appropriate for us as well as it was for them because we live in very confused times where people believe their identity is found in their sinful desires. Some would say, well, I'm a homosexual. Some believe their identity is in their sexuality. Well, I am a woman, or I am a man, or I am this, or I am that. And they actually believe that is their identity. Their identity is who they are physically, or who they are in their desires. And the fact of the matter is, that's not their identity at all. Or it shouldn't be their identity at all. Their identity should be, as ours should be, that we are Christians. That we are those that follow God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because as we studied this morning, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nothing else really matters then. Or at least everything else is secondary to that. If you know and and anyone who does have this kind of identity issue, then they fail to understand what the truth is in Christ. A homosexual is not identified by being homosexual. They just need to repent of fornication and be Christians. Let me say, well, that's kind of simple, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> it is profoundly simple what the Bible says about it. Uh, if your X chromosome or your Y chromosome is dominant in your body, right, that determines your male or female. But that's not who you are. Because there are times when that it can go wrong genetically or something like that. And we look at that and we say, see, therefore, I must be both or I must be one of the... No, no, no. We are male or female and we are all in Christ. It's a very simple thing to understand. Because human identity can only be found from the Creator of that humanity. And that is God. So when we see our identity based in lust, emotion, feeling, something else, then it can't be fulfilled because those are very basic and fleeting things. Lust, emotion, feeling, those change, they come, they go, they're inaccurate many times, they're flat out false at other times. And so we cannot fulfill ourselves by changing the way we look, by changing the way we dress, uh, by applying enough uh, makeup or any other accoutrement to our lives so that we can be and like who we see in the mirror. That's not the goal of life. And if it is, then we have uh, a half-life. God has given us all the information we need in determining our identity under His creation, in His creation. And that's all that we need to know. And He has given that creation an order. And He has ordered it so that it can work the most efficient way possible. Now, can it work other ways? Of course. Creation is amazing. The creation of God is so amazing and so diverse, it can work in a number of ways. But it can only work best. It can only work perfectly, efficiently, if it's done in the order that He is given. When we choose to live godly lives in Christ, we're embracing our real identity. And our only identity in this life is to reflect the glory of God. To show Him to the world. Now, can a male and a female show God to the world? Absolutely. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. They can show Him to everyone that they meet. That's the Christian identity, male or female. Then our identity is to fulfill what we read in, in Genesis 1, 26 through 27. 
And what we read in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 is that we are made male and female. He created them, it says, in His image. We are in the image of God. <coughs> male and female created He them. And so we need to live that way. That is a spiritual life. And it is only a spiritual life. And it's not to be confused by our desires, our emotions. It is about living above them. That's the important thing. Whatever challenges we may face, whatever inconsistencies we may have to live with, we live above them because our identity is as Christians living spiritually, which is a challenge, but it's our destiny. <clears throat> it's our legacy for the rest of the world even after we're gone. And that's always been a challenge. That's always been a great challenge. It was a challenge for the Corinthians as well. I need a cock up. <laughs> it was a challenge for the Corinthians as well. And so, we're going to read one of those challenges. Now, whenever 1 Corinthians 11 is read, usually there's a focus on the, the head covering. And for much of my life, I was content with that. I had heard about it. I had been in Bible classes. I had, I had heard sermons on it. And every time I heard, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11, I thought, this is going to be a lesson on head coverings. And I thought to, and, and I just accepted that. Well, I don't accept that anymore. <laughs> I think at some point in history, we missed what Paul was teaching here in the 11th chapter by debating whether women should wear things on their heads when they're in the assembly or not. And I think to myself, what a, what a terrible injustice we have done for so long. And, and it's, it's nothing to really be ashamed of, I guess. We, we really tried. There were many generations, many people that tried. And, and I don't know that I'm going to get it perfectly right. But the fact of the matter is, um, I never cease to be amazed at myself first of all, and then at others, and how we can minimize and trivialize these deeply meaningful passages to the most simple and meaningless traditions and customs. It just absolutely amazes me that we can do that. You know, we have had this debate raging for ages. You might even know people that when they come into the assembly and, it's, and they say worship has started, they will cover their heads. Or they will put a doily on top of their head or whatever they're called. I'm not sure if they're called doily. That's what my mom used to call them because she made them and put them on the furniture. So uh, and I don't even know the purpose of a doily, but we had a lot of them. Uh, okay, but, but the fact of the matter is it's what it looks like. It's not truly a head covering. When I think head covering, I think hood. You know, I mean, something that you <laughs> only see the face. But, you know, that's why it always confused me. Well, is that a head covering or is that a head covering? And automatically, everybody did it their own way. And so it wasn't just a head covering. It was everybody's head covering their own unique way to cover their head. And so I always knew there was something odd about that, but I could never pinpoint it. And so we look at that and we see that. And I, I have become fascinated by the fact that we focus on that. Because the problem at Corinth was not about what people were wearing on their head. That wasn't the problem. That was that was simply an illustration of the problem. It was an example of the problem that Paul uh, used, and we're going to use it. Um, it wasn't about what they were wearing, but it was about the fact that men and women had lost their dedication to the roles that they were given by God. We live in a very similar society today. God made us male and female not just so there could be two of us. You know, in the garden, he didn't just sit there and go, well, I'll just put another male in there. They can bond. Uh, they can fight and wrestle. And, you know, they can work together. And, you know, they'll be fine. No, he didn't do that. He made them male and female. That was his created order. He didn't put two females in there. He didn't put two males. He put a male and a female. That was his created order because that gives us 
the greatest advantage in creation. I think that's an important thing that we often forget. To be able to collaborate, to be able to unify, to be able to glorify God in the very greatest way that we could in this, in this cold, unruly, and detached world, He made them male and female. That is terribly, terribly significant. So for a moment, I want us to just forget about head coverings. We'll get back to them briefly. But I want us to forget about them for a moment. In Corinth, it seems evident that women were not content with their role in a spiritual life. And in our day and age, it's it's very similar. Uh, you know, I think it's also fascinating to me that we look at ourselves and we say, why are our children turning out so weird? You know, why, why are our children coming up short so often? I mean, it, it feels like it used to be less than this. Maybe not, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know the statistics on that. But the fact of the matter is, is when we look around our church buildings, I think we, we do see that. And I see we, I think we see a lot of that. And for me, I believe it's partially at least due to this breakdown. I believe it's due to a breakdown in marriages. I believe it's due to a breakdown in parenting. I believe it's a breakdown in children knowing what to do to be children. <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's a great breakdown. I think that strangers are raising our children and we are fascinatingly okay with that. I can drop off my kid to a stranger who doesn't know anything <laughs> that I know who doesn't have the connection to my child that I have, who certainly does not have a measure of faith, most likely, but who came cheapest so I could go get my job, or who came cheapest so I could go do live my life the way I want to live it, and I let them raise my child. Fascinating. That we think that doesn't affect things. And and we, we now see the... the um, the consequences of that. And I think we realize what Corinth was supposed to realize and Paul's helping them realize. They were simply not content. Women weren't content with their roles. Men were obviously not content with their roles. Everybody wanted something different. The, the order of creation, the rule of God, the role that He had determined for us, male and female, became boring. It became something that we didn't want to do anymore. And when males and females feel unfulfilled, unless they're feeding their covetous natures, there's a problem. The problem is that God becomes unglorified. His church will tend to weakness and unprofitability as the spiritual focal point in the world. And it's our fault. It's not His fault. Someone mentioned to me the other day, you know, they, they said, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the church. And I said, you don't have to worry about the church. You just have to worry about you. You have to worry about your service to God because the church is going to go on in spite of you, buddy, in spite of me, in spite of everybody. It is a spiritual organization. It is God-authored and God-protected. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. Thank God. But, in this world, when God goes unglorified by our lives, by what we say, by what we do, by what we allow, we allow it to be more unprofitable than it is. See, we have children because we want children. But did we also have children because we wanted the church to go on? In our families? As our legacy? You know, that was a part of why I did it. Not the whole thing, but certainly a greater part. I thought to myself, hopefully, what I have seen, what I have noted, what I have been subject to, what I have been guilty of, Maybe I can change that a little bit. And see, so it became important. When we read in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3, we can see there the startings of how 
these things, these this creation order, this role that men and women are supposed to have became secondary. Paul writes, Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Here we have the creation order. And he says it in that order. Woman, man, Christ, God. It's the same in the other order too. God, Christ, man, woman. It's, it's not, a, a, uh, it's not a, a list of greater to lesser. This is not the point. The point is this is the creation order. This is how things are ordered in the universe. And we don't think often in the created order since, I believe. And they, and they certainly at Corinth didn't think in the created order since. We, we understand it though. We proudly say phrases in this country like God, family, and country. You've probably heard that. And we mean it in respective order. God greatest, family second, and country third. Now, do we live that? No, not really. We like to say it. <laughs> it's something that we might put on a, on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. But it, it really isn't the way that we think about things. And so, Paul is giving us this created order because we fail this comparison just like they failed this. They didn't know the role that they were supposed to fulfill. <laughs> and if they had an idea of it, they didn't care about it anymore. And see, that description of the order is what the Corinthians were upset with. And so they defied it. Now, some people have told me over my life, well, the women were defying it. Well, the men were too. <laughs> okay, so let, let's not, let's not blame, play the blame game here. The, the Corinthians, as a church, as an assembly, as people of God, were defying the created order. Notice what it says there in verses 4 and 5. It says, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as if her head were shaven. Now, what's the context there? They are praying and they are prophesying. Now, what we know is that prophesying is a spiritual gift. It is a miraculous spiritual gift. And I don't believe that Paul would put a miraculous gift and an unmiraculous gift together. I believe he's talking about praying in the sense of miraculous gift as well as prophesying in the sense of miraculous gift. And if you read through um, Acts, uh, and I don't remember where it's at, <laughs> right off the top of my head. Um, oh, I wrote it there. <laughs> okay, Acts 21 and 9 in Acts 14, 14 through 16, you see the nature of these miraculous gifts. If you remember, the prayer was done often with an interpreter because tongues were being spoken in. And then you had the prophesying being done as well. So these were, I think Paul is referring both to miraculous gifts. And he's also talking about it being outside of the assembly. We can imply that women were walking around in public in Corinth praying and prophesying in the streets, which wouldn't have been bad, but they did not have a cover on their head. Okay, they were praying and prophesying uncovered. Because in uh, later on when we read in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians 33-34, through 34, remember he says, I permit not a woman to speak in the assembly. So this is obviously happening outside, where it was supposed to happen, mind you. It was supposed to happen in the streets. These miraculous gifts were given so that men and women both would prophesy at that time and confirm the word. Everybody was used. That's the idea. Um, and so, that was okay to do that outside the assembly, but Paul makes a restriction inside the assembly. So we're not talking about inside the assembly. So then we go back to the doily and the scarf idea. He's not even talking about that. It doesn't make any sense in the context itself. And so, there's no reason that Paul would have two different things here. So, what he's talking about is that it would be 
women specifically, and then men, of course, too, possibly, who are doing the same thing with their heads covered for whatever reason, they were feeling unfulfilled in some way. And this is how it always happens. That's why we can imply on the, on the context what we know experientially in our own lives. When do we go against the created order? When do we go against what God has delivered to us in the Scriptures? When we're, we're done with it. We're bored with it. We're unsatisfied with it. And so they would seek advantage. And it may have been that, that the women felt, well, if I have to be silent in the assembly, I'm going to go all out in public. I mean, that wouldn't be uncommon either. You might even know people that are like that. I mean, we might know people with strong personalities that just allow their personalities to overflow regardless of what God is teaching or, or demanding in the Scriptures. And so, the point is is that they probably... Would, you have to ask yourself the question, why would they take the head covering off in public? Paul says, you might as well shave your head. Well, they're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, that, that would be odd. It was an oddity. We'll talk about that. But, but the fact of the matter is, Paul says they should not have that off. So they take it off. Why? Why do women in our day and age want to do things outside of the roles that God has given them? Because they want to be like men. Because we've got it great, right? We've got it so good. And women do not. And so they want to take back some of that in some kind of equality. Again, not a biblical idea at all. It's an idea that we have publicly, that we have socially implied, uh, imposed upon ourselves. And it's absolutely dead wrong. We're wrong for making women feel that way. Women are wrong for feeling that way. And so everybody's wrong. Because we've forgotten about the created order that God placed and the glory that is assigned to that. And so Paul is going to, coming from that position, Paul's going to reveal the real problem in Corinth. And we're going to read the rest of the passage now, starting at 6. It says, For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her hair let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. Because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering? If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Now notice that Paul exposes how these actions of men and women are violating the order that he mentioned before. They're violating it. And I want to point out that whether we're in assembly or out, the creation order is what is supposed to be absolute. It's what is supposed to be kept intact. And so, we often ask ourselves some odd questions here. Well, so long hair on men is a sin. Well, it wasn't for Samson. It wasn't for Absalom. It wasn't even for Paul, who took the Nazarite vow for an amount of time. And he would have had to have grown his hair and not cut it. And so it was not always, it's not always sinful for long hair to be on men. But, men acting like women, looking like women. You know, the first time my, uh, my, uh, my dad told me to cut my hair, I didn't have long, long hair. But he, had, he said, you need to cut your hair. And of course, I said, why? Which is something you, you didn't ask Alan Wright. Okay, that's just, I learned that pretty fast as his son. And I just said, why? And as he was uh, non-verbally explaining to me, he also verbally explained to me, I won't have my, my boys looking like girls. 
That's exactly what he said. And you know what's funny is I looked in the mirror and I understood it. I understood what he was saying. You know, I didn't want to look like a girl. I'm a boy. I don't want anybody to think I'm a girl. I'm a boy. You know, that's the thing. It's it was it was something uh, deep and meaningful and important to me. Well, men were not to act like women, and women were not to act like men. I believe that's the whole principle here. Paul is just using what was customary. Do you think if he told one of those Corinthian women to shave their head, they would have went, All right then, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy a wall shaver, and I'm going to shave off my hair. No, that's what they would do today. Back then they would go, I'm not going to cut off my hair. I'm a woman. Everybody in that assembly, probably every woman in that city would have said that. Religious or not. Because in those times, in that culture, in those customs, women did not cut their hair. To shave their head would have been a bad thing, which is why he mentions it. He tells them, does not nature itself teach you? You might as well replace nature with your custom or your tradition. Don't you know by custom and tradition you're not supposed to do that? (laughs) And what he's saying is if you have that much sense, you should have greater sense for the created order. That's the point. The issue wasn't did she have short hair or long hair? Did he have long hair, short hair? Did she cover her head? Did he not? That wasn't the issue. The issue was if you can understand these basic traditions and customs among yourselves that mean nothing, you should obviously be able to elevate your mentality to understand the created order is what's important. And see, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And it's an ancient principle. Back in Deuteronomy 22 and 5, men were not to wear clothing of women. Women were not to wear clothing of men. It was sinful. A man wasn't supposed to want to be a woman. Or to act like a woman. Or to think he was a woman. And a woman is not to want to be a man, think she's a man. That wasn't the way it's supposed to be. That is in rebellion against the created order. Can we do it differently? Of course. Turn on the TV. You see it done differently all the time. But it's blasphemous. It is against the created order. And that's what we read here. And that's what we know. And that's what we understand. That's the problem that's being revealed here. Though culture and tradition have made it so, didn't matter. So, what were those men and women guilty of? They were guilty of using the freedom given to them by God through the Holy Spirit to cast off the roles, the order of creation that God had placed in in motion um, to, to do what they wanted. That's it. I can prophesy. You know why you can prophesy? Because God has blessed you with the gift of the Holy Spirit to prophesy. That doesn't mean you're better than everybody else. That means you're supposed to take what the gifts you are given by God and use them according to the created order. That's all that happened. You were not picked out as special. Well, people walk around going, I'm special. No, you're not. And that's the problem. He reveals that. The women were guilty of using the freedom given by God and grieving the Holy Spirit. We read about that in Ephesians 4. If you turn just a little farther with me there in your Bibles to Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak with truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Same idea. 
They were grieving the Holy Spirit. They were not doing those things that would edify. They were not doing those things that would strengthen. They were not showing love. They were doing what they wanted to do. That's what verse 5 is all about. Well, would you shave your head? No way! (laughs) That's Paul's challenge. Of course you wouldn't shave your head. You know, a woman with a shaved head right now is a curiosity. I still think most women wouldn't shave their heads. You know, I think it's still a curiosity. But it was an act against womanhood in the days of the Corinthians. That's all it is. And that's why Paul is mentioning it. They would never do such a thing. And Paul says, then don't do this. Look again in verse 10 there. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 10. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. See, whenever we're focusing on the head covering, the because of the angels makes no sense to us, does it? It's like, well, what's the angels got to do with me wearing a scarf on my head? Well, nothing. So therefore, the context must not be that. So we look at verse 10, and we need to read it, we need to understand it, we need to know why Paul gives that as his reason. And he does. He says, when you're in in public and you're prophesying, or you're praying, you're using those gifts that God has given you, you keep that symbol of authority. He calls it a symbol. He says, you keep that symbol of authority on your head, women, because of the angels. You know, we read about angels and we, we've done, you know, we like, we want to do whole classes on angels. We want to learn everything we can about angels. And you know what? They're an enigma. <laughs> They're just difficult to figure out. But what we do know about angels is significant. And I believe that's what Paul is pointing this out here. What we know about angels is significant. Look with me in Hebrews, the second chapter. Verses 5 through 9. Absolutely beautiful passage. All of them are. But when it comes to to angels, this one is definitely my favorite. In Hebrews, the second chapter, verses 5 through 9. Now, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. Okay, let's stop right there just for a moment. It was not to angels. Who was it to? Us. God subjected the world to come to His created humans, male and female, on the earth. And He wants us to know, the Hebrew writer wants us to know, angels didn't get that. You did. It's a beautiful thing. It says, it has been testified somewhere in verse 6, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. But you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. The Hebrew writer is very careful for us to understand, look, we are made lower than the angels, but we are crowned with glory far above the angels. They were created for their purposes, we were created for ours. What does Jude 6 say that their sin was? The angels' sin. The angels' sin was that they went contrary to their created order. Do you read that? Do you see that? Jude 6 says they left their habitation. They left their place. They refused. They rebelled against their role. Paul says, therefore, a woman, a wife particularly, is supposed to have her head covered because that is, she does not want to show rebellion like the angels did because she is made above the angels. God has crowned her with glory and then given her miraculous gifts. But she's still subject to the man. And the man is still subject to Christ. So for a symbol of authority on her head, she needs to cover her head. 
So that that created order is not forgotten. That's Paul's message. God has crowned you with glory, both men and women. Do not fail as the angels did. Do not suffer their fate as those rebellious angels did. It's a powerful message they would have understood. It's a powerful message we should understand. These women were blessed with authority, not subjection. See, but do you think that the Corinthians made women feel lesser than themselves? Obviously, because this probably wouldn't have happened if they didn't. Do we still do that? Yes, of course we do. (laughs) You're a woman. You're second class. No, that's not the created order. You're a woman. You are my servant. No, that is not the created order. You are a woman. You're kind of like my dog. No, that is not the created order. And I have told women for years, if you have a boyfriend or a a fiancé or a husband that treats you like a dog, (laughs) don't do that. Okay, don't do that. There is someone out there that won't and he doesn't deserve you. And that's all there is to it. So you look at this, you see the created order. And we learn what Paul is saying there. The women were blessed with authority. But they were not glorifying God. They were probably discontent, like women are in our age, because they don't have any power anymore, like men do. They forgot, they refused, that the power that God had given them was a separate, equally glorious power. And they turned it into something lesser than the man. That's the sin. That's the, the, the rebellion against the order. And see, here it comes again. Servitude. Boy, we hate that word, don't we? Serve. You know, if, if the world is any indication, we like to be served. You know, last thing we want to do is cook meals at home, wash the dishes, and then enjoy our family time. We want to go out and have... Waiter... Bus boy, clean this up. Thank you, you may leave now. Now that's what we like. We live in a society that proves to us we like to be served. I like to be paid attention to. I've walked into your establishment. You better sit at my feet, buddy. Please. That's exactly who we've turned ourselves into. And it's sad. Because the whole of the Scriptures teaches us to be the servants. That's, that's a very different mindset, isn't it? A superiorly different mindset. And this is what's going on here. The same problem again and again. It's raising his head. We are to serve one another in the roles God gave us, not desire that they were something else. That's what the Bible teaches against. That's what we read, 1 Peter 4 and 10, Romans 12 and 10. We're not supposed to fight against the roles of the created order. You're not supposed to hate the fact that you were born a woman. You're supposed to revel in the glory that God gave you to be a woman because only you can do the things a woman can do. And if you're born as a male, you're supposed to revel in that. Only a male can do the things that you were born to do. The fact that we mess it up for each other has got nothing to do with it. We each must embrace that role in the created order. We each have abilities. We each have gifts, as it were, to serve one another. To glorify God in our own unique ways. They're different ways, they're unique, but they're not to be compared with the other. From the garden, God said, they're complementary. If you're in a marriage where the woman doesn't compliment the man and the man doesn't compliment the woman, you need to fix your marriage. If you're in a relationship 
in any kind between men and women where you don't compliment each other. You're, you're doing it wrong. You're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole idea. It's the best team. It's the best coordination that God could give in all of creation. And we're missing it because we're so goofy. Because we're so prideful. We're so lustful. We're so focused on ourselves. And that, and that really sums up the problem there in 1 Corinthians 11 and 16. He says, don't fight over this. There are no, if, you, if you want to be contentious, if you want to fight about it, none of the churches do that. He said, Corinth, you're the only one that has a problem with this. Isn't that amazing? We don't have any such, any such stuff in any of the churches. What are you doing? You're doing what your brethren in all other places do not even focus on. And it's because you're Corinth. It's because you're rich. It's because you're at ease. It's because you're wealthy. It's because you have all this extra time on your hands. So you're just doing whatever you want to do. And that's a powerful verse, isn't it? If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Corinth was supposed to look at it and go, wait, whoa, we're the church of God. Not right now. You're not acting as the church of God. Paul tells Corinth, they're not unique. And so they don't need to act like they are. They are in the created order. They are supposed to fulfill that. All the churches understood that except for Corinth. That had to stop. And that's why he wrote about it. Well, what does that all mean? What does that all mean for them, for us? Look at the created order. That's how God maintains purity in faith. That's how He does it. He puts male and female together to execute His Word. It makes sense. You know, have you ever seen kids just left to their own devices? You see videos on it all the time on the internet if you want to look it up. And kids will do, uh, a, a four-year-old child can destroy an entire house. Just an entire house with a little flour and a little dish soap. The house is done. It's over. And they'll be sitting somewhere in the middle of the carpet, you know. They will destroy it. Left to their own devices, that's what happens, right? We understand that. If we leave ourselves to our own devices, there's going to be big problems. You know, what if you were a manager at a business or a store and you just walked in and said, okay, guys, we're open for business. Uh, do what feels right. No. No, no, no. We got standard operating procedures. We got, we got, we got consequences if you don't. We got to do this, this, this order and that order, right? I remember being a teenager walking into McDonald's going, can I get a job? You know, I was only like 16 years old. They're like, sure, we'll give you a job. They handed me a book. And I went, but this is McDonald's. The book. It was a little book that you could put in your back pocket, you know, that you could flip through. If it, you know, how long do I need to cook this? Oh, exactly four minutes. Okay. One, two, three, four. Deep. And wait. Because there's a procedure. There's a way to do everything. And if you messed up the procedure, nothing came out right. It was amazing. We understand that, don't we? Not when it comes to men and women. We don't get it. It's got to be something different, right? Work suffers when we don't use the created order as God maintained it. Because men and women are distinctive. That's part of God's plan. They're equals, but they're distinctive. They have different roles in creation. The roles are to be executed properly regardless of the gifts we have from God. Regardless of that. I can make more money than that slob over there. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but you need to, to understand, is that the focus or not? Is the focus that you can make more money than your sloppy husband? You know, is that really supposed to be the focus of your life? You gotta ask yourself that question. Because at the end of the day, Corinthian women could not prophesy in the assembly. 
and had to wear a head covering when they prophesied outside the assembly. Or, nothing else mattered. And that's exactly what he's telling them there. The roles had to be executed properly regardless of the gifts that they had. If you walk out into the world and you are prophesying, but you don't have a symbol of authority on your head, people don't know that you are still a woman subject to the created order of God, it doesn't matter what's coming out of your mouth. Isn't that what Paul said? Paul said, though I can prophesy and I can speak in tongues and I can heal, and if I, if I don't have love, and where does love come from? God. He is what love is. God is love. He created everything so that it would work properly. A, a head covering has nothing to do with, with exercising miraculous gifts properly. But because it was important that they show others their subjection to God, that they still reflected that created order, they had to do it. It's very simple to see that. For us, we need to remember this as well. We don't need to minimize the force of the passage and its meaning. Especially today when we're getting attacks against gender roles and gender distinction. It's under attack. You know, men wanting to be women. I remember being a kid and looking on that Wheaties box and seeing that male decathlon athlete on that Wheaties box going, man... That would be so cool to be him. Now I'm 50 years old and I go, man, I'm so glad I'm not him. If you don't know that reference, it's okay. It's, I'm old. It's, it's an old reference. But you just, you just look at that and you see that. And you can see how horrible that is. There's no God in that. There's no faith in that. We look at that and we see it and we have to uphold it. And we can't give the liars and the false teachers, the Antichrist, any ammunition. We can't give them that. Know your role in the creation order and embrace it to glorify God. Regardless of your gifts. I'm going to talk more about this this evening. Because I think, just like with the Corinthians, there were simple elementary principles and truths that Corinth just forgot. They just forgot. You know, somebody mentioned to me, they said, you know, uh, and, I, and I live this every day, almost. You know, we were talking about this, and I read this in a commentary, and it said, you know, there's a man who wrote the commentary and he said, when I get the kids ready, and when my wife gets them ready, it looks very different. He says, when, when my wife gets the kids ready, they are dressed, they are clean, their hair is combed, and they have everything they need for whatever we're going to go do. They have it in their little backpack or in their pockets or they're holding it in their hands. He goes, when I prepare the kids, I just make sure they're still breathing. It is right, isn't it? He's like, boy, ain't that right. And we know that. Now, do we make fun of our husbands because of that? Sometimes we do. Should you? No. No. Because the fact of the matter is, in the created order, you're better at that. And it is a glorious thing. And I'm going to tell you, you can't train it out of us. There are some things we can be trained to do, but not that. It is just, we just grab them and go. You know, we grab them and go, well, they're okay, they're, they're not naked, so we'll throw them into the... Oh, you're going to need a diaper. Well, I figured that out a little too late. No, they're, they're, we just aren't as good at it. But do you make fun of us for it? No. No. You know, it would be like us making fun of women for what they can't do. Wait, wait we don't do that, do we? See how it works? We fail in the created order because we're so busy making each other feel bad because you're not cool like I am. 
Well, I never will be cool like you are. And you will never be cool like I do. So maybe we should decide to compliment one another instead of discourage, insult, and beat one another down. Maybe that would be... What do you think about that? You know, this is what's going on in Corinth. You women are acting like men, and you men are content to let the women do your job. Boy, doesn't it sound a lot like today. We are all rebelling against the created order when we do such things. And it is not funny. And it is sad. And it is going to bring us low if we don't learn it quickly and correct it, just like them. There is a glory to God in being a man. And there is a glory to God in being a woman. It is the same glory because it is the same God. (laughs) It's just done differently. Otherwise, God would have put two males in the garden or two females, and he did not. He put a male and a female because that was the greatest, most efficient way for them to glorify him and gain advantage in the world that he created for them to subdue. That's very important to remember. When I see a female as lesser than, when I see a male as lesser than or greater than, I have failed in my concept of the created order. I have failed to glorify God. That's a sobering thought if we let it sink in. And it will change the very way that we live life if we let it. And so the message is to you and it certainly is to me. If there's anyone that has any need this morning, whatever that may be, Please let it be known. If you want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, please do not wait another moment. And if you are a Christian and you've fallen short of that, haven't fulfilled your role as best you can, turn around from that. Repent of that and do what is right while we stand together.